Hi, welcome to On The Daily Season 2, a podcast focusing on authentic and acoustic entrepreneurship. My name is Danielle McCleary. I am your host. Y'all, I just left a nine-year fitness career to pursue full-time entrepreneurship, so I am in the trenches with you, but I got big dreams of being a millionaire and helping other people to become millionaires as well. So together, we're going from stuck to unstoppable, and I'm so excited that you're here for this ride. Let's freaking go. Hello on the Daily Family. Welcome back to the show. Uh, You know how I love a good human design episode. And this uh, interview guest, this podcast guest was brought to me by her team. Her name is Karen Parker. Uh, She is a best-selling author. She's the founder and creator of the Human Design for Everyone training system and the Quantum Alignment System this chick is so rad. I absolutely adored her. And I also really loved, she was just so, everything about this episode was just so perfect. Like she was so on it. She was like, the timing was perfect. She got right down to the point. Like there were just no fluff in the interview. And um, it's just a true testament to who she is. Uh, Karen's been speaking and coaching and training and podcasting for almost 30 years. So I was four when she started all of this. She's built so many successful businesses and she's helped, I think, close to, I think she said 100,000 lives around the world in the process. I mean, she's been featured on Fox, Bloomberg, CBS, ABC, radio shows, podcasts, you name it. She's just a real amazing and intuitive and smart and brilliant woman. And this episode, we talked all about like the real cause of burnout, why burnout happens. And it is not why you think. It is not what we're told. It is something entirely different. And uh, I just think that you're really going to enjoy this episode a lot. If you are interested in human design, maybe you've been interested, maybe you'll be interested in this after you hear this episode. Uh, you can go to my Instagram, click the link in my bio. I'm Danielle underscore on the daily. You can click the link in my bio and you can uh, book a one-on-one human design reading where we dive deep, deep, deep into your birth chart and tell you all the things you already knew about yourself and let you come home to yourself. I think my favorite thing about human design is it doesn't teach you anything. It really just brings you home and reminds you of who you have always known you are. It's more confirming than anything else. And I highly, highly suggest it. That being said, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. If this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do me a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, give us a five-star rating and maybe write us a review. That would be super helpful for me because that's how I get this show out to more people. So I hope that you enjoy what you hear and that Karen rocks your world as much as she rocked mine. On the daily, we have Karen here today. Karen is a master at human design. We're going to talk all about burnout today. We're going to talk about the great resignation. We're going to talk about all these things that all of you have been messaging me about for so long, asking me to do an episode on. And we've finally found the one who will do this episode. So I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And of course, this is my It sounds weird, but this is my favorite topic. So uh, I love burnout. Burnout is really fun to talk about because I think it's so different than what we think it is. So, Okay, let's start there. Why is it so different than we think it is? 
So burnout is actually classified by the World Health Organization as a medical diagnosis, but if you, or a diagnosis per se, if you go back though and look at their requirements for the diagnosis to be valid, it really is directly related to poor work quality or poor work situations. And in reality, when I look at people who are burned out, and I will say that's probably the vast majority of my clients, most people are not really burned out because their job sucks. They think sometimes that's what it is, but that's not actually what it is. And one of the things I actually talk about this in the TED talk that I did, the uh, getting a better job doesn't help heal burnout because burnout is a, is a symptom of a root cause that we don't look at very often. The root cause of burnout is living a life that's misaligned with your authentic identity. When you say yes, when you want to say no, when you say no, when you want to say yes, when you do something you don't want to do, when you do something that your gut is telling you don't do that, when you feel obligated to put yourself in a situation where you have to compromise yourself, particularly because you think you have to make the money, you actually burn an extra amount of energy that leads to burnout. So here's here's how I like to think about it for a second. Have you ever been to one of those masquerade parties in New Orleans where they you have to walk around with it, but the mask is on a stick? It's not like the ones you strap yeah. on. It. You have to hold that, right? Now, how heavy is that mask? Is it heavy? No. Right. But if you have to hold that thing up for hours, you know, by the end of the night, your arm is going to be all cricked and tight, right? You're going to have this weird, painful shoulder. You're going to, at a certain point, especially if you have maybe one or two glasses of wine, you're going to put that mask down. When we live a life that is inauthentic, when we're not true to who we are, it's kind of like carrying that mask around. Even though it seems like, oh, it's no big deal to say yes when you really want to say no. Oh, well, this is just what we do. We go to this job, even though secretly we want to be novelists or painters or do other really exciting creative things. When we make these really small, seemingly innocuous choices that cause us to work in ways that aren't aligned with our authentic identity, it carries, it, it wears us out just as much as holding that little mask up. And what happens is that level of burnout that comes from day-to-day, repeatedly making decisions that aren't true to you, that feel misaligned, not only does it tank your spirit and your enthusiasm for life, we actually see that it's a threat, physiological threat to your identity. It starts to attack the immune system. It starts to attack the thymus. It brings us into a state where we're, we get out of alignment with our physical well-being. And eventually, if we're not careful, the whole, the whole body, the whole spirit, your whole mind collapses. Yeah. I feel that on such a deep level. I And I would even go as far as to say, for me, it wasn't even just saying yes to my no's. It was saying even yes to my maybes. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm a 6'2 sacral generator. So for me, it's all about like a yes is a yes and anything else is a no. And that took a long time for me to learn because I am I think so many of us are people that I don't, it's like, I don't really want to do that, but like I can, so I will. I guess I will. I guess I'll take that on. I guess I'll mm-hmm. add that to my plate. And like you said, those are those little masks. You know, every single one of those is like a seemingly weightless mask that after carrying it for a long time, A, you're now exhausted and don't have energy for the things you actually want to be doing. And B, then the universe, God, whoever you pray to can't actually put in your path what you're actually meant to be doing because mm-hmm. you've now like, you're too, you're too booked and busy. Right. So that's why I like to call burnout the, the cosmic pause. Because what we don't often realize is that burnout is a gift. 
It's actually the cosmos, if you will, or our higher selves really putting a hard stop on, on all the the monkey business of not living true to who you are. So the universe says, I hear you. You hate your job. Guess what? We're going to make you have to lie down on the couch and rest for a while because you need to get back in touch with who you really are. So me cosmic mm-hmm. pause. It's yeah. an opportunity for us to rest and renew ourselves so mm-hmm. that we can get in better sync or in better harmony with the true story of who we really are. Well, I wouldn't even, I mean, before I, before I realized all of this and started doing this work for myself, it wasn't even, I didn't even respond to the burnout. It literally would take me getting sick. Mm-hmm. And I always said, and I used to be like, well, I only get sick once a year. And when I get sick, I get really sick. And it was always the time of year that like all my body wanted was a break. All mm-hmm. I wanted was to stop doing all the things that I was doing that I didn't want to be doing. And mm-hmm. I just like refused to listen. And instead I to my body would quite literally like make me rest. Well, and part of what happens, that's a really actually a pretty common pattern that I see. And part of what happens is it's oftentimes, I think, especially for us as women, it's socially sanctioned for us to stop when we're sick. And that's usually the only time for many of us we're allowed to take time off. And so our bodies are sort of well-trained unconsciously. You're not doing it on purpose, but unconsciously we learn, oh, this is the only reason where I'm allowed to take a pause. This is the only reason where I can take a break. I'm only allowed, it's only justified if I'm sick. So I guess I'll have to get sick if I start to get crispy. How did you get into this work? Like how long have you been doing this? Oh, 23 years, <laughs> at least. Wow. Um, you know, I, I kind of accidentally stumbled into this work really from my own story. So I was a full-time single parent with four teenagers in my late thirties. Oh and, uh, so I was running my own business, feeding four teenagers, which was a lot, uh, you know, doing homework, being mom all day, all the time. And I, just, I hit a wall. I really hit a wall and I really didn't know how to work around the wall you know, I wasn't trained in sustaining myself. I definitely didn't know how to rest. I didn't have a mindset that let me think that I could rest. Uh, I really bought into the idea that the only path to income is hustle. And of course, money was tight at that time. So my response to money being so tight was to work doubly hard. And I ended up with breast cancer. And to me, and I, I want to be really clear, I mean, I'm not saying everybody who burns out gets breast cancer, but in my case, for me, my illness and my healing became a deeply personal story about how do I better nurture myself so that I can better nurture my family and ultimately also my clients. So it took me uh, quite a while to really go deep. I had to spend several years really exploring the relationship between, for me, self-care and my lack of self-worth. And my idea that if I just worked hard enough, I could prove my value and my merit, and then I could earn rest. I started, I really had to reframe a lot of the stories around it's okay to rest. In fact, resting is the most sustainable thing that I can do. I really had to learn to create what I'll call an inner and outer self-generous environment so that my thoughts around myself, my, my internal environment really created a better external environment that included boundaries and good boundary setting, learning how to say no. And, you know, it's not always like this for everyone because I think everybody's journey is different. And I'll say that for me personally, it meant that I really also had to explode a lot of my beliefs around 
work and money and the relationship between my own self-worth and my finances. My biggest theme right now in my life is I grew up in a very hectic household. My dad was a CFO and wore busy like a badge of honor, work, 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 mm-hmm. tired, 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 stressed, 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 stressed. He was also type one diabetic, juvenile onset since he was seven. He was overweight. He had heart, he developed heart issues. He developed kid- kidneys, lungs, liver, all the things. Ultimately, it ended up killing him last July or last January. Oh, and so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. He was like my best friend. And I mean, that's like a whole other conversation, but it's crazy that like the worst possible thing to happen in my life has actually like triggered some of like now what I'm learning are the most beautiful lessons. So funny how the universe gives you that. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, you know, not she got remarried when I was five, but stay-at-home mom. And I think for her, like the trauma she dealt with was a lot of, um, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And in order to be worthy, I have to stay busy. And so we were always busy, like errands all the time all the time. Mm-hmm. Like there was always an errand to run. That woman went to the bank every day. Like I feel like she was always to the bank, always to the store. And so that subconsciously ingrained into my psyche. And then I now grown up with this idea that if I'm not working, I am not productive. And if I'm not productive, I'm not worthy. And if I'm not worthy, then I'm, you know, not significant. And mm-hmm. that's taken a lot of unlearning. And I think through human design and understanding like actually how I'm supposed to work and the way in which I'm supposed to like let my intuition lead me has really been powerful. And my biggest lesson has been being able to sit in that pause, being able to sit in stillness and truly put myself in a position where I can respond. Mm -hmm. Mm Because in the past, it's always been like, if my plate is full, then I am worthy. If my plate is full, then I am worthy. And learning that I actually don't have to prove myself to anyone has been like probably the lesson of a lifetime thus far. Mm -hmm. Mm And I, I I appreciate your story, and I really I appreciate that you have learned to stop identifying with the hustle as a badge of honor. I like I like the way you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know I do think human design is a really powerful tool to help people re-engineer the way in which they play with life's intelligence. You know, human design teaches us that. We all have sort of this whispering of life's intelligence that works through us mm-hmm. and it it teaches people to slow down enough to be able to hear that unfolding and, yeah. and to hear those whispers of, of what life is intending for you. And that's, you know, that's a really powerful and beautiful way to live. It's also a terrifying way to live because I think most of us are taught to override those intuitive nudges. And as you said in the very beginning, part of what I think human design does for people is it's not so much that it's teaching you something you don't sort of intuitively already know, but it actually confirms for you what you already knew about yourself in the beginning, that you knew how to play in the cosmic field. You knew how to let what you love be the guiding force in your life. You know, I always laugh that, you know, I have a lot of training in therapeutic practices. I have a lot of training in physiology. (laughs) I have a lot of training in very complex things. And really the bulk of what I do with people and the bulk of what I say to people in my practice is follow what feels good. Mm -hmm. And that that particular message of it's okay for you to go do what makes you happy. It's okay for you to go do that thing that feels right. It's okay for you to pursue the thing that, 
you know, makes you smile and feels aligned with your passion, that that's the thing you're supposed to be doing. People are like, what? Mm-hmm. They, and then, and then there's sort of this, this, com, you know, sort of complex resistance that happens in response because it can't particularly, it can't, there's no way it can be that easy. And, right. and so much of what I end up doing is just retraining people to remember that you're designed to do what feels good. Remembering that's such a good. Yeah. yeah. And not in a reactive way. It's not, it's different than, you know, when we're 16, 17, 18, you know, sometimes the things we want to respond to doing that feel good, we do because we're breaking away from our families and we're redefining our own identity. It's not rebellious. It's not selfish. It's actually how life unfolds through you. You're supposed to go do what feels good. Mm-hmm. And it is such a mind shattering shift sometimes to watch people have to really get out of all the rationalizing that we've sort of incorporate into our mindset around, I'll go do what feels good later when I retire. I'll go do what feels good later when I have the money. I'll go. What if you start on the front end Yeah, and there's no later and your right. life becomes what it's intended to be? What is your human design? I am a four, six manifesting generator. Yeah. And I'm way off the rear. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That authority figure. Yeah. You know, and I feel like too, a lot of the people that I've worked with in human design, I I feel like the the generators and the manifesting generators, especially those of us who have that like gut intuition, that sacral, Mm -hmm. real sacral authority, it it's not as it's not as as mind shattering for us because like there it's every because the society says trust your gut trust your gut trust your gut trust your mm-hmm, gut mm-hmm. for me okay I can trust my gut that's the most defined center I have perfect I always find like my manifestors my projectors like they're the ones that I go like especially my son like my son's an ego projector and I'm mm-hmm. like we got to follow what you want, baby boy. Like we got to, you got to listen to that, that little voice inside of you that is saying that I just want this. And, you know, like mental, mental manifestors that are like, are supposed to lead with their mind and all these things. And I I just think that you, you said such a beautiful thing when you said it, it should feel like a, like a remembering more than Mm -hmm. anything, like coming back into what you want and actually leading your life the way that feels aligned for you should Mm -hmm. feel like coming home almost. Right. Right. Totally. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned the conversation about is easy for generators. It is, it's super easy for generator types. You know, it it shows up, you go, "Uh uh-huh. I like it. Let's do it. You know, um, I do find I do find it's probably hardest for the manifestors, I think, for for a couple of reasons. I think the first reason being it's a little bit more difficult to tease out that inner authority for the manifestor. The manifestor has this direct connection to the quantum pulse and it, it's so fast it bypasses language. So it's yes. really this very almost instinctual creative movement. I think the projectors actually can have it easier. I think they have it easier. Mm. I think I actually think sometimes for the projectors, it can be just as easy for the generators, Mm. but there's the, there's that need to divorce the value of doing this. If a projector can divorce themselves from the idea that my value is derived from what I do, then the inner promptings start to make sense. Totally. And, And to recognize that even if you're resting as a projector, you're still working. Yes. You're just not working in the way that the world tells you you should be working. You're you're laying down and you're holding the energy template of the planet in place mm-hmm. and making sure that when you show up to do the work, if you will, of guiding and directing, 
that you're sustained and that you're sustained enough to where you're only accepting the invitation to manage and guide the people who are ready for you. Yes. And that, that, that readiness is co-created by the projector arriving on the scene, fully restocked, restored and replenished. And so, uh, you that know, very small, but very efficient battery, like that, we totally, all, that totally. we're all really learning how to tap into. I mean, that's why they're here, right? Like they're here to teach us that. Totally. To- yeah, totally. And I, I, my, I have a 12 year, I have eight children. My youngest is a, is a projector. She's 12. And this is the, the first kid I've raised as a projector from the beginning and watching the, just the innate projector qualities that she has. I mean, from the start, from the time when she was two and three, she was managing and guiding people. I had to actually yeah. lock the windows in my car because she would roll down windows and yell corrections at people at traffic lights. And I was like, somebody's going to like hurt us because <laughs> she's yelling at people at the traffic light. This is so, my son. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really beautiful to see, you know, as she's sustained her own, connection i think i hope i've i've hoped that she's been she'll be able to sustain her connection to the importance mm-hmm. of her wisdom mm-hmm. and and her her inner guidance as to what she needs to do in the interim to sustain her energy yeah. it's pretty beautiful it's been interesting to watch too because i've allowed her or created a space i don't allow her but i've created a space for her to really clarify what she needs when she needs it and and has I've tried to support her in that I mean it's hard when she has to go to school Monday through Friday but you know she's really clear about things like she needs one day a week that's a pajama day and she's done that since she was five she's like I have to have one day a week I don't get out of bed mm-hmm. I I just you bring me food on those days <laughs> and that's my son that, yeah. yeah and it's it's beautiful to see her know the limits of her energy Mm-hmm. And to embrace them and to also cultivate whatever she needs to cultivate to stay resilient. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it is really powerful. Like raising, I mean, we could do a whole episode on raising kids according to their human design. I and mean, that's like a whole <laughs> other episode. I want to go back to, you had said that, you know, we we're talking about burnout and how burnout is not actually the source of your job. It's the source of you not living an aligned life. I want mm-hmm. you to talk about how you think that uh, pertains to like the great resignation that just happened over the last couple of years. And like, what do you think people, what do you think people are just waking up to the fact that they're unaligned and that's like what's causing this massive shift in consciousness and in like the world as a collective? What do you think that is? I do. I think that's part of it. You know, if you, if we go sort of into some of the more technical pieces of human design, you know, built into the story of human design is a bit of a prophecy. The prophecy of human design says that the chart, our energetic hardwiring is changing and it has changed before. Um, I actually wrote about this in my book, The Quantum Human. The, The energy of the will center in human design, which is the place where we measure material value. It's the seat of our self-worth. That center and that whole conversation about value and self-worth and meaning and and right work, right place, all of that is a fairly new conversation. We've only been really hardwired to explore things like personal sovereignty and alignment with purpose for the last 200-ish years. And we're still kind of in our infancy, if you will, with those ideas and concepts. And the, I think it's really sort of up for us on the soul curriculum of the planet. We're learning to redefine value and what is valuable. We're learning to really explore the relationship between 
our work, our sense of enoughness, our sense of purpose, and how we generate income or resources. I think that what happened with COVID is that COVID sort of forced us to have to stop. And, and I think that, that cosmic was, pause you were talking that about. cosmic pause is sort of a, a the whole planet sort of going, OK, you know, we have permission to stop if we're sick. Right. Going back to what we talked about, we have permission to stop if we're sick. So we're all sick. And if you look at the, you know, if we think about the planet and how we express and experience life as being sort of a, a fractal representation of the consciousness that creates the situation, you know, I think we really literally we're all sick. And part of that sickness was that many of us are engaged in work that isn't meaningful. We are deriving or measuring still on a collective level our value with numbers. We say, "Our my value is derived by however much I have in my bank account, right? We, me- if we measure everything with numbers, right? Your value is derived by your pant size, your bra size, how many years of education you've had, how much your car costs. I mean, that whole metric around value went away with COVID. Mm. And, and as we had to sit there and go, am I going to get sick? Am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? I can't see my family. I can't see my coworkers. I hate my job. Anyway, I'm home with my kids and I like it. I don't have all these obligations. I don't have to get dressed up for work. I can, I can go to work and my dog can be at my feet. You know, people have started to see that a, it doesn't have to be a soul sucking compromise just to make some money so that you can better measure how valuable you are. And B, whatever it is that you end up doing has to actually meet the new metric of value, which is how much does your work support your well-being? And if we start to shift, and I think this is what we're doing collectively, we're beginning to shift away from the metric of value being money. That maybe money, you know, maybe money isn't, we'll need it. I don't think money's going away. I don't know if we're going to use the currency that we have, but maybe money isn't the best gauge of somebody's value. Maybe we're all valuable because we exist. And because if we can start living from a place that that we're all valuable because we exist, then our existence itself needs to reflect that shift in value, which means the way in which we exist has to better support our value, that unique and vital and irreplaceable role that each one of us has to play in the cosmos. And when we live aligned with that value, the metrics won't be the same. Some of us might not make the same money, but does that mean we're going to have a, you know, a lower quality of life? Not if the new metric of value is well-being. Am I, more, am I having a better life if I'm available to my family? Am I having a better life if the work that I do makes my soul sing? And instead of my soul feel like it's being sucked dry, you know, of course. And I think intuitively we're all sensing we can't keep going in this finite zero sum game we're heading towards. Where if if we look at if we look at the metrics of value and we define it by numbers, and we look at the fact that most of us are, I would say probably all of us are in some way, shape, or form struggling with self-worth. What the artifact of, of a low self-worth is competition, comparison, and lack. And the more we create from a place of competition, comparison, and lack, the more energy we're going to end up spending, again, trying to prove our value in the marketplace. Mm. And we're in this terrible cycle of, you know, proving our value, not making enough, devaluing ourselves, having to work harder to prove our value, having to work harder to prove our value, doing something we hate pushing up against that something we hate, 
and for being forced to have to do it in a more amplified level until eventually we run ourselves into the ground. And I, I really do think that's sort of on a cosmic level what happened for us. The planets and the world sort of all collapsed in that late November time when COVID started in China, which in human design, we say uh, pandemics start with the sun in the 44 and line four, which I think was November the 4th, 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, that that at a certain point, we all said, okay, these patterns, not consciously, these patterns aren't working. We can't do it anymore. And yep. when we started to go back to work, people said, can't do it. I can't, mm-hmm. not anymore. I feel like maybe you agree with me on this. I've been saying the whole time that I think COVID was the biggest gift the planet could have ever received. Mm-hmm. And people will be like, that is, you know, they look at me like I have antlers on my head. I'm like, no, but think about it. Like, think about, think about what you value now that you didn't value before. Think about what you've added to your life that you've wanted to add. Think about the things that you've taken away from your life that no longer serve you, you mm-hmm. know? And like, obviously I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. And one of the things that we talk about constantly is this idea that everybody is waking up pretty much the fact like they don't want to work for somebody else. If it's not serving them, they don't want to be a hamster on a wheel. They don't want to mm-hmm. be valued for their output. You know, they want to be valued for, you know, the, the, the impact that they have on this world instead of like the financial gain. And mm-hmm. that's all well and good. And then now like the thing is figuring out what they really want to be doing in a way that aligns with them because, I find that people are kind of stuck in the middle where they know they don't want to be that, but they don't know how to do this because they have so much programming that exists from that, from that old paradigm. Mm-hmm. And so the work is now like figure out what you want, like figure out like what makes your soul sing, as you say, figure mm-hmm. out, you know, w- what is going to make you the happiest and the most aligned and then do that regardless Mm -hmm. of what you've been programmed to think or do or say or act like really figure out on a soul level, you know, what your, what your intuition is, is telling you. I saw a quote that said, um, if everybody would just let, like let their life be led by their intuition and where their intuition comes from, that is the definition of freedom. Totally. Yes. I, I completely agree. And, you know, you said something that I think is really important when we go through a cycle of growth and expansion, the very first thing that happens is the old story of who we are begins to get disrupted. Uh-huh. When we get disrupted, we get kicked out into the void. And we're, I think we're all sort of still collectively sitting in this void. We can't go back to who we were. We don't quite know where we want to go yet. And so we're sitting there. And I think the most important piece to recognize is that this void cycle we're in, first of all, is extraordinarily healing. It is a time when we have to start sorting through what's keeping me from really stepping into what I sense is a bigger, better version of who I am. And certainly I would say when we're sitting in that void cycle, it's going to be essential that we start exploring questions like, how has my lovability impacted my value and, and the work that I do and the way I've shown up for my life? Do I have the courage to do what I really need to do? Do I trust myself? Do I have the emotional regulation and the emotional wisdom to know how to deliberately and consciously choose what I want to choose? Am I willing to, and do I feel safe to be fully authentic in my self-expression? Am I empowered? And what do I need to do perhaps to reactivate my power? Maybe I've abdicated my power and I need to reclaim it and call it back. 
What do I need to do to learn how to make better decisions so that I'm not subject to the old patterns that kept me locked into, you know, making the same decision in a different variation over and over and over again? Do I value myself? Is my self-worth intact and doesn't need some shoring up and some healing? And then last but not least, how's my energy? Do I actually have the energy to build something new? Because sometimes in that void cycle, and I think this is a really important piece to understand, especially for those people who are just beginning to embark on the entrepreneurial journey, people will tell you that, that there's freedom in being an entrepreneur, but I think there's also some lies. <laughs> and one of those <laughs> lies is that it's going to be so easy. You're just going to click your heels together three times and poof, you're going to be successful. It's not that it's hard. If it's your joy, it's not terrible. But there is a certain amount of effort you have to put into constructing a new business. And if you're burned out on the inception, it's very hard to find that energy. And sometimes I think when we are burned out and we fail to rest in that void cycle before we expand into the next piece, then we get stuck again in that burnout cycle over and over again. So those are, I think, the, the essential questions we need to be exploring in the void cycle that we're in. And certainly on a very personal level, I think we all need to be asking ourselves as we construct a new narrative, a new story, a new point B on the map of where we're headed, you know, are we ready? And do, you know, have we taken the time to nurture ourselves and get clear before we explode into whatever is the next thing we're going to do? Yeah. And knowing that that void cycle is not always going to feel good. I think right. we, you know, we've, we've the last two years, like everyone's given up a lot and it's been very painful in a lot of ways. And so this idea of like sitting in a void cycle, that's uncomfortable is really hard for people. And mm -hmm. I would say, I, I would urge you to like, trust that, that healing process, think of healing from like a surgery. Like I think about healing from my C-section with my son, like that was not comfortable by any stretch of the imagination. Healing is not always going to feel good. And it's not really, it's about like who you're going to become along the way. And so really allowing yourself to sit through that void cycle, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of those, a lot of that programming and those paradigms have been in us for so long that it's not just going to rinse out overnight. Like it's going to mm -hmm. take time. And I, I think you and I both agree that like, if you can sit through it, the other side of that feels incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You're amazing. Um, tell me like you've done a Ted talk, you've written books, like all the things, tell me like, how can people work with you? How can people find your stuff? Like where do you have anything coming up? Like I always have stuff coming up. Um, yeah, tell us. But I, I think that the, the place that I think I would encourage people to go explore, if you go to my website, quantumalignmentsystem.com, we do have professional level trainings there. And we have a the, the program that I really want to push people towards that I think is one that might be of most interest to your listeners is we do have a program that integrates human design with energy psychology techniques that really goes deep into what's underneath why people get stuck and they get stuck either stuck, stuck, or they get stuck in the void and terrified. And it's, it's a really empowering program that works with people to help them get underneath and look at what are the what are the ruling belief systems that keep people stuck? Where are you conditioned? We use a science-based system to actually get in and rewire the hippocampus and get the body in back kind of back online. And we use narrative to actually shift epigenetic programming so that you can emerge from the system 
feeling more deeply aligned with your authentic self and armed with a, a resilience, a, a quality of resiliency that really helps you be able to pivot and to navigate the void without freaking out and being terrified or going back, trying to go back to how things used to be. Yeah. I feel like I think I can think of so many people right now that would just be so get so much value from a program like that. So go find all of these links that all these things that she just talked about, they're all in the show notes. You can go look them up there. And obviously you are, you're on social media as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can- yeah, I'm not on I'm not on Twitter either. <laughs> so, but okay. uh, but yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're Amazing. we're sort of on TikTok. Um, yeah. so. uh, I have such a love hate relationship with TikTok. I've never felt something more in my bones than that statement right there. I'm kind of on TikTok. Yes, uh, Karen, you are such a gift, and I just really I like I feel like this conversation could go on all day, but I just so appreciate your time. Time is like such a gift and you've given us such valuable, valuable nuggets. And I know that this is going to be an episode that people just listen to over and over and over again. So thank you for, for giving us all of that today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We'll talk soon. I just think it's pretty epic when she talks about how burnout is really just like people who aren't living the way that they should be living, or they're not paying attention to who they're designed to be. Um, I have felt that so many times and It wasn't until really I started to learn human design as to why I'm so excited about some things and why I'm not so excited about some things and why I always feel better and everyone else feels better around me when I'm excited. And that explains it because I'm a generator. So like I said, go follow Karen, go to her website. All of her links are in our show notes. So you can go and click and connect with her, work with her, take her courses, whatever it is, but get this woman into your sphere of influence because she's amazing. And uh, we'll be back on Friday with another episode. Love you. 